The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. That was weird. Uh, we got a lot to talk about from recruiting to um, prepping for next week here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I'm your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel and listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here. Hit that like button. Wipe your feet. Great review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and uh, gift it. So on today's episode of Sooner or Later Sports Show, myself and Coop, we're going to dive into all things going around college football, probably starting with recruiting speculation. We've got a lot of information coming down the line that um, it's going to be fun to talk about. You're all going to talk about on our way to Kansas. I just got back from Kansas City, and by God, is the weather disgusting up there. That's going to be a fun thing to talk about. And we'll talk about some of the other latest news and notes that's going around college football because, you know, this is kind of one of those quiet weeks. So let's bring in my guy as usual, my man, Hunter Grand. Ooh. What it do, man? How are you on this beautifully, disgustingly cold Wednesday evening? It is, uh, I mean, yeah, nobody likes this type of weather because like, what, what do you do with it, right? Because it's not like you go outside, not like you're going to, uh, I don't know, man, this is just rough. But, uh, you know, we're getting closer to the weekend and now it's just, I'm fiending for Saturday. Fiending for Saturday. Let's get a new game, get, uh, get it going again. Absolutely. We're at that point now. It's just, you know, on to the next week, right? We're 1-0. We went 1-0, and now we're 0-0 as of Sunday, and it's time for us to figure out what the hell we're going to do the rest of the season. So, what's good, everybody? Hey, um, what up? What up, Steven? What's good for a fire boy, Hank? Of course, you know, people coming in. Kim, what it do? Thank you. I appreciate the love on that. That beat does go hard in the paint for uh, what I made for Nick Anderson. I got a few more of those coming down the line to keep us entertained because, you know, highlights from the game is always fun to go back and look at, especially when we actually uh, win the game. So I I do want to ask this question, though. Um, I was on a space last night and uh, on Twitter. Hopefully I joined as uh, I like to, you know, run my mouth a lot. Uh, we talked about some fun stuff, but I wanted to ask you this, Coop. This is kind of something that kind of came to my mind actually just now. As we begin the show, we are seven and oh. First time since what? Uh oh nine? Oh eight? Something like that. How do you feel about being seven and oh? I mean, I I mean, here's what I I I'd rather be seven and oh than six and one. Um, so there's that. Um, you know, it's it's odd because I was kind of thinking about this the uh the year that uh Caleb Williams uh took over. Um, it was just, you know, you, you, we were, we were, what was it? We were six and zero or whatever. And you're like, man, how are we undefeated? Like everybody was losing their minds and it's like, yeah, but we're, you're, you're six and zero. And then, you know, three and zero last year felt completely different this year. It's like, it's just like, it's not cautiously optimistic. I feel like it's just conservatively confident and it's just, I mean, it's like, you know, the game uh, this past weekend, you know, I started to kind of think like, man, how, how do we come back and talk about this? Because, uh, you know, there, there's some backtracking to be done. Well, then they, you know, but then at the same time, I like never felt like the game was in jeopardy. For some reason, I just never felt like we were going to lose that game. So, um, man, yeah, you go, you go uh, seven and oh, that's uh, you've already, 
eclipse your win total from last year. So you keep uh, you, you move on. You get a chance to go one and zero this week. Yeah, that's a good point. And Jimmy is correct. 2021, we actually did start yeah. 9-0. and In 2019, we started 7-0. and And you know what game we lost in 2019? In 2019? Baylor, right? Nope. Was you one more guess. There you go. Yeah. yeah we lost in Manhattan, Kansas, too. So, which is not yeah. actually very far from Lawrence, which I thought was very interesting. It's like they're up the street around the corner. It's almost, it's, it's like us in Oklahoma State. Distance-wise, actually, no, because it's actually longer in comparison. I think they're like 30 to 45 minutes away from each other. It's really weird. But, yeah, being 7-0, and 0, especially this year, feels a lot different in comparison yeah. to years past. And we talk about this ad nauseum in regards to just, you know, everything about this team is different. We feel different. It looks different. They're performing different. Any and everything you say about this team right now, it feels different. And yeah. I'm kind of glad. I'm actually, like you said, we're conservatively confident in this. We know that we can do it. And in, in that space last night, one thing that we dove into was being 7-0 and and then having the game we had against UCF, right? You know, we talked about this post game, but the thing that was kind of odd about it was like, man, you know, we could have potentially lost it. You know, there was this, this, that, and the other going down. But Chad Smith over there on the Twitter space, shout out to him. He does one every Tuesday night. It was a great time. He made the point of we're learning more and more about this team each week and it's stuff we're building on. It's n- We're not losing because of stuff that are true, like not bugs, but what's the best way to say it um missing features will probably be a good way to say it but there's another word for it i can't get it out of my mind right now but it's not like we're missing something that's the reason why we're losing it's more so just bugs yeah. and we're fixing those bugs each week so it's good that we're learning week over week what we are because we're building off of it each week you see what i'm saying like that resonated with me yeah and then let's go even further how how really mind blowing blowing is it that we haven't seen this team's best game yet? Like right. offense right. and defense. Like we don't even know what the peak of this team is. Whereas like last year, it just felt like there was no way for that. That team was just like terrified to take the I mean, take the moment uh, to make the big play in the moment to, to make that happen this year. It's almost like they just literally, um, they can't avoid that moment and then conquering it this year. So, I mean, I think that's the difference between last year and this year is, you know, some of these, uh, you know, close plays, they were, I mean, we just, we just fell flat on our face. Whereas like this year, it's like when things start getting, you know, kind of crazy, anytime that they are absolutely needed to go make a big play, they do. Right. And, and the way exactly. And I think it's a good way of pointing out and looking at like their, our SRS score, which is the uh, simple rating system. It takes into account, this is off of a sportsreference.com, fantastic site for stats and stuff. But it takes into account like poor differentials, strength of schedule, and it, you know, puts together a figure on how good the team is. And we're ranked like number five on the SRS. And our strength of schedule, shockingly, is 17th. I don't know if y'all saw this. This is what was interesting to me. 
There are six teams in college football right now that, let me find that tweet real quick. Six teams in college football right now that are ranked in the top 15 in offense and defense. Coop, did you see that? Oh, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Five. There's five teams. Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State. Y'all not going to guess who that fifth one is. SMU. Yeah, it was SMU. because I I remember seeing that and go like, man, I mean, like, I feel like their record doesn't reflect their talent and like how good of a team that they are. And, they lost uh, to yeah, two power five. Yeah. Right. They lost to us and TCU. And TCU game was they I think they could have won that game, but I felt like they just kind of jizzed it away. But SMU is 14th in offense and ninth in defense. Yeah. We're fourth in offense, 13th in defense. Like, based upon the competition they're going against, they're still putting up numbers and stuff, except for against us. That jumped out to me. That Win, as Topher is pointing out here, that's coming to quality win. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we, all, we all thought that way that, you know, there were a lot of people after the SMU game that were saying like, hey, listen, this team could run the table for the rest of the year. Well, then they lose against TCU and then everybody's like backtracking like maybe SMU is not good at all. But all they continue to do is just, I don't know, be good on offense, be good on defense. Yeah, and win games. And – as I told, I mentioned this after that game went down and, you know, tried to calm down people's freaking out about how we played against them. Tried to let y'all know, we will, they will play in their conference championship the way things are going right now. They're, they are slated to play in Blaine, the, right? the American Athletic yeah, Conference. The AAC. Them. So, the AAC, them, Tulane, and UTSA are 3-0 in conference. Yeah. Three Tulane good teams. six and one, right? Tulane six and one. SMU's five and two. UTSA's four and three. And I think SMU runs the table based upon their schedule, leading them to that game. I think Memphis is the toughest game they've got coming up. Yeah, they travel to Memphis. Besides that, they'll run through Tulsa. They'll run through Rice. They'll run through North Texas. <clears throat> and they should destroy <coughs> Navy. It's gonna be Memphis. Yeah, that's it. And then, I mean, and then when you look over there at Tulane, I mean, they've just put together a decent program. Um, you know, even the year that uh, we, the first year that we played them, and um, you know, just barely pulled it out, and that quarterback looked like uh, you know a future stud. Um, you know, that year they had a little bit of a bad year, but I mean, Tulane's had a great you know history here recently uh, on the football field, and. Now SMU is moving to the Power Five. Like, there's some good quality depth in, in that area. So there you go. There's a quality depth, but we're not talking about the, the Sooner team. So, uh, but yeah, there's. I mean, there's some Better good teams there. over there. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so we'll have fun on this episode. You know, we're not going to follow a full structure. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk Kansas. You know, we're just going to chill. Y'all drop some stuff in there. I'm seeing there's a lot of comments in here, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into some of these, and we're going to start talking about this. So. First off, uh, first comment that I think I liked. Steven asked this question. First decommitment happened. Any worries about that? So, for those that did not know, Danny Saili, the defensive tackle that was at Hutchinson Community College up in Kansas, he just tweeted out probably like an hour or two ago that he is decommitted. I'm guessing things didn't work out. And um, he's the one – if you. Don't remember him for those that are uninitiated. 6'2, 389, 
the big, big defensive lineman that we were yeah. getting as a JUCO. And we got this back in June. We thought he was going to come in the fall, but come to find out he wasn't going to come into the spring. So he was required to go back to JUCO for one more semester. And honestly, I'm curious if it's grades related. Uh, it's what it feels like. Or Saley decided he wanted to do something else. Or we decided we want to do something else. But I'm going to tell you this. I have zero concern about that one. I have zero concern because we've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. A lot of them. And we'll talk, of course, in depth on that in a minute. But there's a lot of irons in there. So I'm not concerned about it. I think Parker and Brandon will probably talk about it more on um, OU Insider tonight. So if you want to hear more about Saeeli, you can kind of – you probably go there a little bit later. So, But Coop. Yeah, Concerned. I mean, my, 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 no, I mean, not at all. The guy was a, uh, I mean, you needed a stopgap guy. Like, that was immediately like a humongous body, right? But he was going to have to be so, I mean, he was going to have to be special to still be on this team. And I don't know who just said that, but uh, less. But guys, there's, there's whispers already starting to happen transfer portal style from defensive tackles. And there is, um, um, you know, the, the recruiting class that's coming in, it already looks pretty decent. I, I said it the other day, we're going to start seeing people who you're like, oh, that person's leaving. Like people are going to start getting processed. So um, I think that that is it. It was, hey, we had a spot for you. We'd like to help you find something. You're just, I mean, you're not getting there. I mean, because the guy still had a, um, a lot of weight to lose. And I think he had some... Uh, did he have an injury issue also um, he was trying to come back off of? So potentially. Yeah, I think he was coming off of injury. This is, oh, yeah. I think that this is a processing situation, uh, 100%. Yeah, I think I think he was a project, and it just – we probably realized we probably got some, like I said, other irons in the fire. It's going to be like, eh, we're not going to have the opportunity to really play him. So we're not going to be too concerned about that one. Oh, yep, you're right, Hank. It's strange he does not feel like we're 7-0. That's the funny part about it. Don't know you suitors. Got a question. What NFL team do you think our boy Lincoln Riley is going to end up at? Look, man. So, you know, he Riley's sick. Um, I've heard some USC people say that he's been he's been seeming sick, low energy over the last couple of weeks. Could yeah. be that he's sick. Could be that. Yeah, whatever other reason is. But if we're going to talk NFL, I mean, it only makes sense for him to potentially end up at Chicago. They probably need to go ahead and do another refresh. And they want an offensive pl- coach. And if they end up with the number one pick, Caleb Williams is going to be his quarterback. So if I'm going to say anybody, it's probably going to be Chicago. Now, wouldn't rule out the Chargers. Feels like they're wasting the talent there. And I could totally see them trading Justin Herbert just so they could try to get Caleb Williams at the number one pick. Someone would do that. Because then Justin is way more proven. He, uh, yeah, I could totally see that. Cool? Topher, Topher says it right. Raiders. Um, Raiders is a big one that you need to pay attention to because, um, Lincoln Riley would, would love, and that the Davis family, I mean, bad choices run in their blood. So, um, you know, don't, don't get too, uh, um, you know, too pulled away from that one. Uh, Arizona has always been, um, has always been the, uh, you know, the whispers, um, you know, they're, they're unhappy with, uh, Kyler and, you know, willing to maybe give that up. They they were tanking and they looked you know kind of good for a little span this this past weekend but 
Um, I, you know, would they basically do what they just did all over again? You know, instead of uh, instead of uh, Kyler and Kingsbury, you get Lincoln and Williams. Now, my question for you right back is, at this point, if you're Kayla Williams, is maybe distancing yourself from Lincoln Riley a good idea or a bad idea? Because I think it's a good idea. I don't think you're wrong in the assessment of it would be a good idea to distance himself from, from, um, from Lincoln. But at the same time, I mean, Lincoln's kind of a reason why he's, I mean, he got that Heisman and he keeps doing it right. Like Lincoln has done a great job of building quarterbacks and getting them Heisman's now. There are questions are, is he doing a good job of prepping him for the NFL? Uh, you know, we, we, there's, there's arguments yeah. on a lot of sides of that, but I'll say this though. I don't, I think Caleb will be good regardless of the coach, but I think that we got to give Lincoln Riley his props for what he's done with them. Like he makes it easy mm. for him to just chunk the thing. Now I don't seem like mean, teams are figuring out his offenses. So yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that part. I'm just saying that, like, you you just watch Lincoln Riley be all offense, not a clue on defense at Oklahoma. He now he's doing it at USC, and so is the, I mean, at, at some point, is, is Carl going to come to him and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, he needs to really, you know, have a conversation with us about what his plans defensively are, because if it's to, you know, bring back a, a seven-time, you know, higher, you know, DC like." Uh, you know, Rex Ryan or something like that. Like, you know, do you know, is that's, I think that's played out. You need to have a really, really good uh, plan on defense because otherwise Caleb Williams is going to be like Phillip Rivers and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll always be a big stat guy, but it's never going to turn out to anything, winning anything. No, it's a fair point. That, that's going to be true. It's going to be true. Uh, Lee on the silent commits. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll, we'll, we'll note that because Topher knows the question is which one you want to hear about. All right. This is a good question right here, too. Ryan Wingo just committed to Texas. Shout out to Longhorns. They got themselves another five-star. Um, Longhorn fans are going to talk noise to y'all about that. Do me a favor. Just do this for me. Don't take the bait. There's no reason to take any bait of anything from a Texas fan around recruiting because – I've gone through on the recruiting. Last 10 years, Texas has had better classes than us. Nobody's done less with more. Just about every single year, actually, now think about it. I think they yeah. every year, last 10 years, they've had a better class than us. But guess what? Well, nah, except for one. Looks like in uh, 2021, we outdid them. I'm looking at two four sevens because I'm bored. I mean, uh, on threes because I'm bored. And, yep, they got us there, too, in 2020. I'm going to say this. The last 10 years, Texas has probably gotten at least – Texas has beaten us 7-3 to three in recruiting classes the last 10 years. And we have beaten Texas 7-3 to three in the last 10 years in games. So, you can tell who does better. <laughs> I mean – Period. It's that, I mean, that's, that has a lot to do with culture that, ha I mean, I, I personally think that there's a lot of kids that grow up being told that they're going to be the next, uh, all American at Texas and that's how they live their life. And then they go there and, you know, anytime that expectations, I mean, I, I say it all the time, you know, Texas and expectations are like oil and water, you know, I just, that's, 
you just have all these, you know, stars that never won anything. And so, um, you know, it's okay. Uh, just because you have, if, if, I mean, let's say Malik is more of a runner than a thrower or Arch isn't all that he's cracked up to be, or the offensive line never comes together. You can have all those weapons. Texas has always had all those weapons. And, um, and you know, they've, they've, again, they've, nobody has done uh, less with than more with more than Texas. And it's just nuts. I mean, it, so as soon as they start putting a dominant, you know, dominant force together and those guys, you know, over, over produce, uh, based off expectations. And I'm just going to see, think, see it as more of the same. Right. That's how exactly how I feel about it. It's that, you know, we can say anything we want about it, but at the same time, the thing we remember is that Texas always does this. And the question is, what do they do? Uh, Michael, yeah. thank you so much for the 499. I see you put a comment in here about without Tyree Walker. We heard is with without Tyree Walker, we're one dimensional. I'll have to disagree with you on half of that. I think that we started that way, but the second half of this game against UCF, we started to look kind of good on the run. I mean, Mm-hmm. Gavin finally found a hole, broke on it, and then he asked permission to get a touchdown. He had that much space on that run to be able to run around and be like, is y'all cool with this? Okay. And then yeah. he just ran to the end zone, which is good. I think we're hitting a stride. And in that one, if I'm correct, uh, Caden Green was playing and Savion Bird was also playing. And so the blocking is starting to get better. I don't think it's the blocking, though. I think it's just hitting the hole. And I feel like Sawchuk is going to hit his stride soon. I feel like he's more comfortable yeah. now. It looked like in the second half that he wasn't uh, slowing up. I mean, it's the first time this season we had a running back average over six yards carry. And I think that we're going to see more of that from Sawchuk now. I think that he now knows it's his. We get him, yeah. Tyree together. I think that I think we look good. I think we look good against Kansas this weekend from the run aspect in the rain. Just notate that. So that last time, so I'll, I'll say two, one of two things is um, last time we played Kansas in the rain, I feel like we had a running back go for a few. Um, maybe the, you know, single game record. Um, another thing is, if we line up and run our offense and we don't do that first quarter crap that was going on, you know, it bled into the second quarter. I think I texted you and I was like, I just don't recognize this offense. It's like they got way too cute with everything. Now, it wasn't mm-hmm. helped that Sawchuck came out and didn't look like he, you know, he looked like he was on a blooper reel for a while there. Uh, one of those yep. old school Saturday morning sports bloopers, you know, guys getting b- balls dunged off their Benny head. Hill. You know, Benny yeah, Hill music uh, in the background. <laughs> Gus, it was a Gus Ferrat uh, headbutting the uh, wall and giving himself a concussion, yeah. you know, things like that. So, um, but I, I mean, I just say this is I feel like if we come out and we run our actual offense, then it's going to go good. And I think that this running attack is going to be great because, um, if we're not cute, we're going to have a good option. Now, I personally think that their strength of their defense is their defensive backs. So don't be surprised if they say, hey, DBs, you guys, um, you guys, you know, this is all on you. Be, right. be physical at the line, press coverage. We saw Farouk struggle with it. Uh, Stoops can get himself open. And Nick Anderson was only the one that, that was having, you know, any, you know, full-time success. But I expect that for them to stack the box and say, all right, you're going to have to 
uh, your receivers are going to have to win against our defensive backs over and over and over again. So uh, I think it's very, very important for us from the running back standpoint is that whoever is in there is available for, um, you know, for uh, out routes uh, underneath coverage, because if they're going to bring it at us, then, um, you know, I want to be able to beat them over the top too. And Sawchuck's perfect for that also. Yeah, and, and if you notice in the second half when we started to do those runs, I mentioned this in my morning after we talked about this on Sunday. The thing that jumped out to me is like we kept running. Like, why are we running the ball like this? Why are we doing this? And then three plays later, we launched it to Nick Anderson for a wide open touchdown because it brought that safety up. When we started yeah. getting success in the run game, their safety started to pull up because they were trying to stop us in the run game. Hit that play action, and boom, guess what? Touchdown. Stinging ass cat, that's hilarious. Riley is going to end up at a Division two school the way he is going. Hey, man. He is not making friends right now, and I've never I've heard that he's not very well liked in circles. But we'll, we'll get off of his back. David asked this question: Kobe Black make it? He did not. Rumor has it he will come the West Virginia game because their season will probably be about done, or they'll play on a Thursday that week, and so it'll be a lot easier for him to show up to a game. These eleven o'clock games is kicking our butt in the recruiting trail, and so the good thing is is that I'm anticipate well. One thing I, I do know of is once we go to the SEC, we'll see more night games or at least midday games. That way, we don't we can have time for players to travel to our games because it's really hard to go to a eleven o'clock game after playing at night. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what we're running into right now. So did you see? Did you see the graphic come across Twitter that? In the Big Twelve this year, OU has six 11A kickoffs. The next highest is three. Yeah. Big 12 hates our guts. Again, like, why are we leaving? That right there has a lot to do with it. Not only is it hard from an atmosphere, it's hard on the businesses. Um, And then, you know, like you said, from from an institutional standpoint, recruits need a little extra time, especially if they got to book a flight. Because, I mean, what are you going to say? Like, go home, get home at midnight. Uh, go to sleep, wake up at four, be on the airplane and, you know, in Oklahoma City by 730, you know, like that, that's, that's hell. Like who wants to go do that unless you are just jazzed up to do so? Yeah. You know, and and they're young too, even though they're young, they'll have the energy and spunk to do it. They still worn out playing football, man. So I totally understand it. It's best to catch them on that Thursday night games. And if we have a home game, bring them in. So I expect it. So Holden asked the question, what happened to Barnes? Is it injury or something? Yes. Barnes. Javante Barnes had toe surgery this summer to fix a, a, a nagging injury he had from high school. So last season he was playing on it. I guess he was cool, but it was one of those that was starting to get bothersome, so they gave him surgery. Well, BV mentioned like three weeks ago he doesn't seem like it's recovering as fast as they would have liked. So they have pulled back on him because, if anything, they probably not going to play him for the rest of the season to preserve his red shirt. And just redshirt. Yeah. Let him rest up. Let him get the foot heel, the toe heel, and then you can bring him back next season because he can't go to the draft this year anyway. So you may as well rest him, let him get fully healthy and play him, and then that way we can actually play more Salchuk in comparison. And so that is the anticipation, in my personal opinion, that we're just going to go ahead and redshirt him because it makes the most sense. You can still run things with Salchuk and Tawi, especially if Salchuk starts showing that he's ready. The person I yeah. want to know about is Emeka Megwa. I want to see what Megwa looks like. Now, I know he had, I think he had one or two knee surgeries as he He's was had coming two. here. 
I mean, but oh, I mean, he, yeah. he, he pulled the trifecta. I mean, he tore everything in that injury. So, I mean, absolutely everything. Um, and when you, to come back with something like that, it's not just an ACL. Like if you remember Terrell Davis, you know, um, as a Denver Broncos fan, Terrell Davis tears his ACL and it's like a year uh, to 18 months before they're back to normal. And he never was back to normal. Now it's like six to eight months. Like you can have somebody back depending on the position. But if you tear everything, then it's just a structural, uh, you know, mess. And yes. that's hard, especially with his frame, because he is a thick dude. Yeah, he is. And that's 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 where you definitely see a potential problem there. So uh, we want him to be healthy long term. He's a, he's a back that can he's, he's a starting running back. So you yeah. need to go ahead and make sure he's healthy. And so if Salchuk can take over and do it. I'm, I, the way Salchuk looked in that second half, I felt like it clicked in his head that I'm good. I can do this. Yeah. And he's making it happen. So let's ride his foot. Michael, thank you again for the $10. We appreciate it. Caleb played for Oklahoma yes, after Lincoln Riley in the Alamo Bowl. After Lincoln left in Alamo Bowl. Will he stay at USC? He's going pro. He'd be an idiot not to. Now, yeah. I did pose this question in our Discord the other day just to see what just gauge some thoughts from some of the the folks that hang out with me in there. Um, if you interest in getting the discord, the link is in the description below. Um, it won't be there for that much longer. I'm gonna get ready to pull it and keep it as a invite only. But we asked the question, if Caleb came back, if he asked to come back, would you want to take him? And Coop, I, I'll pose that question to you because I said, you know, what? I'll pose to you, Coop. What do you think? So you're saying, end of the season, Caleb says, hey, man, Oklahoma, I still love this place. I know you guys got Jackson. He's shown love to Oklahoma this entire time. He yeah. stayed on his own will. He wanted to play in the bowl game. He wanted to finish out the season. He's shown love. Hell, he threw the horns down right before Red River. Yeah. He still talks to Jaleel Farouk on a regular basis. Like They're like this. I, actually, Farouk talked about it in an interview recently, how they were recently talking. Oh, uh, yeah. he, he keep in touch. So I asked that question. If he says he wants to come back, what would you say? No, I mean no, absolutely no. And here's why: because you then have trouble upon trouble recruiting top end quarterbacks from that point on. Because if you just treated Jackson Arnold like that, nobody is ever going to trust you again for one year of Caleb Williams. I don't think one year of Caleb Williams is going to do anything for a program perspective uh, versus starting the uh, Jackson Arnold um, and then whoever's after that. Because Malik Hawk, I mean, uh, Michael Hawkins is looking like an absolute stud this year. And, you know, Sperry's still young and he's got he's got a, a great upside and he could be better than Jackson. Uh, you know, um, I mean, we've got a, a, a slew of quarterbacks. You bring Caleb in. Every single one of those people now have to think, man, are they going to do this when it's my turn? When it's like when folks know it's my turn? And then the negative recruiting going in the SEC, you, you, that's not how you want to start that tenure. I mean, no, and that's fair. That's a fair assessment. The only disagreement I have here is this, though. I'm mean, going to keep this real with y'all. I said no. I say no, you don't take them. You tell them to go ahead and go pro. Makes no sense for you to come back. But. The other thought behind this is, is we're heading into the SEC. What's the thoughts of having a redshirt freshman slash sophomore? Because right now, he's only played four games. There's a good chance that he doesn't play for the rest of the season. 
what is your well, how do you feel about a sophomore going into or redshirt freshman going into the SEC play and we basically breaking in a new quarterback? I ain't got a problem with it. But a Heisman Trophy quarterback coming in that we've seen be able to do stuff, mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility him coming and being successful very fast in this system. That's the only thing I say when I think about it. But I don't expect it. And the and, and only reason why I can speculate and have this hypothetical here, dude's the number one draft pick, regardless of how he finishes the season. Everybody believes that he's a generational talent. Yeah. He ain't, he ain't coming back. So we don't even need to be concerned with it. But I thought it was a fascinating conversation piece. But I am agreeing with everybody on this. I would totally say no, too, because it's one of those, nah, we got Jackson Arnold. Let J.A. go do his thing. Yeah, and Tanya, thank I you don't think – I don't. I don't think that we can compete for a. Uh, I mean, number one, like the internal culture, also because Jackson Arnold's already spent a year here. There has been animosity towards Caleb and uh, and Lincoln, it, whether it's bubbly or not, and it's respectable. None of those people are, think of either of those guys with a smile on their face. Um, so I, I mean, I I I, I kind of double down and just say this. I think that next year with Caleb Williams. Let's say that there's a slight cultural issue. You don't know what you're doing with Jackson Arnold. I don't think we win the national championship next year with Caleb Williams. But you let Jackson Arnold fight with, well, we've talked about this a lot, seven other SEC first-time quarterbacks most likely um, are also going to be, you know, first, uh, you know, a you know, Nico up in Tennessee, uh, you know, South Carolina is going to have to have a new quarterback. LSU is going to have a new quarterback. Bama is probably going to be with Julian Sayan at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I'll let Jackson get in there because I think that the 25 season is probably set up really, really good for Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, I agree. We've got we, – we, 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 We've got something special with Jackson Arnold, so we all know this. So that's not there's no confusion whatsoever in the conversation right now. We know that there's something there, and so that's something that I'm totally not concerned about with him. Just like I said, sophomore going in, he's played some college football snaps, which is great. That means he's got the experience, so I'm not concerned. And everybody's correct. We all got J.A. Nope, so there's a nope. We won't take him back. Nope. And you're right. We ain't got space for it right now. Yeah, we're good with J.A. All right. What other questions? Now, would you guys would you guys take back Kevin Kevin Durant? Do you take back Kevin Durant? And I'm mad I can't watch Thunder basketball because I ain't got a uh, Valley Sports. I need to go second seed. They they beating up yeah, on. So uh, I, I, they're I'm right just now. saying that Thunder up. Lincoln and Lincoln and Caleb leaving. I think put they a, a a really really cool distance between Oklahoma City fans and Kevin Durant uh, the animosity there but no I I mean I just say is you can't you can't do that just because if Brent's culture piece is going to be ever considered legit it's got to always show that way and Brent is a do everything do anything like you do everything he's a big guy like that so it would just be something sideways that's a good point that's a very good point. Okay. Just to beat the dead horse. Yeah, beat that. Be, you gotta beat the. Just. Yeah. One of the things we enjoy to do is beating on horses or whatnot. What other questions we got in here? Nothing else really in the chat. Let's talk recruiting real quick. There's a lot of stuff going on in the recruiting side. What yeah. up, blood? What's good? Uh, no, Steven, we actually haven't talked about Emmett Jones's raise, but we'll talk about that in a bit. 
especially after we get past some of these um, these uh, recruits, though. So y'all know that a lot of crystal balls have come through. And as Dweezy uh, 5000 pointed out, make sure you wipe your feet when you walk into the house. Shout out Nino for that one. Hit that like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe. There is a lot of smoke coming in just the recruiting world whatsoever, period. I just saw somebody post it in here. There's a lot of smoke coming from the ATM tea leaves, too. Texas A&M have some struggles. Supposedly, players are talking about bouncing. But let's talk about who we recruiting. So, we got the commitment last week that, I mean, we kind of expected it, right? We kind of felt like that was going to happen. I mean, no, here, like, here recently, yeah, here recently, but I mean, you go a month, a month ago, I mean, I don't think anybody felt too confident that it was going to be Oklahoma enough to start calling it. And then stuff just really got, uh, got flipped here. You know what? I went, me and PG went to the game. If you follow me on Twitter at unfair sports, I was at the game. I post a couple pictures. I saw Devon Jordan. We was up there at Edmonds NFA. Me and PG was talking about it. You know, our boy PG from the PG show. We were hanging out, just talking, you know, blah, 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 hanging out. And he's like, man, I don't, he's like, I don't think we're going to get him. And then we looked to our right, and we saw TJ Rushing, the defensive back coach for Texas A&M, on the sideline watching it. And I'm like, oh, he over here trying to, find, trying to get that final push in. He made it to about halftime. And then he bounced. So I'm assuming that he left and went back, um, hit back on the road to get back to College Station. Or he had a flight first thing in the morning to get to the game. But seeing him at the game, I was like, huh. Well, actually, I think they had a bye week last week. So anyway, seeing him in town, I was like, huh. I wonder if he's trying to, you know, get that final push after him. And then I get a note that Devon Jordan's probably going to be committing today. Like, what? No. Then I heard there was two players that could commit. Talk about the second in a minute. When I saw Devon go ahead and commit, I was like, oh, man. We must have hit him with the look. Either you commit or we going somewhere else. Like, we already passed the games. But I think that he's someone that's, that's good enough for what we're trying to do. And I think that he can go out there and make something happen for us in the secondary. He has – it's one – Okay, prep to Union, which usually produces some pretty darn good players. And three, he likes to hit the way that Valiadem likes our secondary to hit. So I like the pickup of uh, Devon Mitchell. I like him. I mean, Devon Jordan, I like him coming. I like having him in this class because the emphasis on defense is huge for me. Coop, what you think about the, the, the Jordan commitment? Well, I mean, it just didn't seem like it wasn't going to be to Oklahoma, but it felt, I mean, I kind of see what you're saying with, you know, there. you don't want to mess around and, and jack up that union relationship and you mishandle the recruit and you tell him and, and you know, he gets uh, upset about it. And then all of a sudden the coaching staff's like, what, what did they say now? He said, man, if I don't commit now, like they're going to, they're going to move away from me. Because I don't know how, as a head coach, you, you, you manage that. Because 
you kind of like the fact that you're tied to Oklahoma that helps you shine for your game, but at the same time, like you manage these kids and so you're not going to steer them in harm's way. So um, I, I think that there was, there, there was the momentum. I think that some, you know, either there was a, you know, tough conversation of like, Hey man, you know, we just don't, maybe they, the angle of, we just, you know, got to cover our basis. Like, you know, we just don't, you know, what can we count on you? And then he probably was just like, all right, let's do it. So they probably found some way to kind of move it along. Um, yeah. So anyway, are we saying Davon Mitchell? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Davon Mitchell. That's pretty funny. You give Jordan number 23. That actually would be kind of funny. I would totally, I am totally for yeah. that just to have another Jordan with 23 on there. Hank, I don't know if Jordan's going to be opposite of Gentry next year. I think that's Josiah Wagner <laughs> right now. When he gets healthy, and it feels like our secondary is getting back healthy. We'll talk about that in a minute as we talk about going to Kansas. But yeah, other commits. Or Vickers. I mean, I mean. Vickers I or Vickers. Don't, don't throw out Vickers and don't throw Jacoba Johnson because he's starting to see the field a little bit more often, and he's showing up on special team coverage quite often, and he's thumping people. And, I mean, he – at the all American game, he was the one that I was like, Holy crap, who he's going to be somebody. He, I mean, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a force too. We're also seeing, um, Robert Spears Jennings sightings rolls out for the year, of course, with shoulder surgery, which has been bothering him since he got here. Yeah. But, and he's a big bat, big corner too. He gets healthy. I mean, we've got a lot of huge dudes in the secondary, like if you really think about it. So yeah. I don't see that Jordan is going to be making the other side. I think Jordan will probably be a – he'll hit the field his junior year. We've got a lot of – we got a lot of players in the secondary. you got to be a dude. Be you got to be a dude. Good. Yeah. Jacoby is a dude. It's funny because it still cracks me up how Jay Valai talked about how they had to negotiate to get him on the defensive side of the ball because they wanted to go wide receiver for a bit too. Yeah. Because that was back when we was concerned about the wide receiver room. Remember everybody was like, oh, I don't know if the wide receiver room is any good. Um, So only another player. Outside of that, you got Grant Bricks has been coming up. Now, I just saw Nebraska – just put a massive semi truck right in front of the, the stadium with them all over it. It's pretty disgusting. But you know, pretty pathetic. They pulled that mess. Shout out to my guy, Jason White's knee, said that this is very corny. Very corny for Nebraska football to put a semi out there. It's very well played yeah. by my guy. Very well played. Because when I saw this, I'm going to go ahead and post this over here for y'all can see it. Because I think it will be interesting for y'all to see what this looks like. Let's go into I mean, our... Is it... I mean, screen. is it not against... I mean, I feel like, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, huh. Well, there's that. But then, like, the more I thought about that, Bricks is not a showboat guy. So, did they do a disservice to themselves by doing this? Because, I mean, that brought a lot of, you know, straight attention to Bricks. Yeah, and he doesn't like attention. But this is the this is the semi that's sitting outside of his football stadium, Nebraska football. And yeah, my boy said it. I like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's kind of corny. Like, why y'all do that? Why y'all do that? Super. He corny. is aware. He is aware that you are there. <laughs> he is. Yeah. So of course they really want to get this kid to come. 
And I totally get it because Bricks could be a game-changing lineman. He's one of those that go to work and he go home. The question has yeah. been asked is, is he really into football, though? That's really been the biggest question. But I digress. I did see that, Steven. Uh, I saw that, and uh, I just see that. So the other one that we're seeing 8 million crystal balls for is Reggie Powers. Mm-hmm. I anticipate him to pop between tomorrow and Saturday. It will. He did his visit. He enjoyed himself. He looked great in uh, in his Oklahoma gear. He looked excited. Yeah. He was on it. He and is. as Steven pointed out, his dad only posted pictures from this visit. No other yeah. visit. This is Pops posting the other pictures. Love how y'all went and investigated that. Shout out to y'all for doing that. I mean, you got to say, this Reggie Powers, uh, I mean, number one, having, uh, you know, anybody on defense with a last name of Powers, uh, I guess on offense. I guess Ben Powers was pretty pretty dope, too. So, uh, yeah, But sure. Reggie Powers is a super nickel. Um, he is going to be... I mean, you can play him as a third safety. You can play him as a you know cover cheetah, kind of how they're doing Dolby right now. Um, and you could play him, you know, as as a big you know uh, nickel. So I mean, he is going to. If you guys remember, like you know, when you had Brandon Shelby, Brandon Shelby was really really good at at the nickel. But um, uh, you know, when we have a really really good coverage nickel back, we just it just it's just great to have that guy on the field and he is going to be a physical guy too so uh i i love him i love him and and you know when i saw his film originally i was like yeah we need it right now yeah when i watched him play i was like you know this is one of those players that um that man likes to uh he be going how do we how do we how do we get him here in oklahoma so like uh oh let's move out there that's not what I wanted to do. I'm going to leave that the, is the Discord. That's very horrible, right? I know, right? Terrible. It's always good. Bring that back. Bring that back. Leave the scene. Let's watch some Reggie Powers. And I don't want I don't not, want Coop's not, face up there. Not me. There, there you go. go. There's Powers. Yeah, I'm just flo- floating around right now. He can hit. And as we watch him, he likes to hit. And so, another SEC build safety, that is very much correct, yeah. Hank. He is one of those players looking at you like, oh, he, he's, yeah, he's a player that you want on your team. And so, I'm pretty excited about the idea of Reggie coming to play for us here. And it sounds like, like I said, the anticipation is we're going to see that in the next day or two. Maybe in the next, by, by, the, by the weekend. We'll have a Reggie pop. And then adding on top of him, you have EPL, Eddie yeah. Pierre-Louis. Now, granted, I don't know how... I don't know how confident I am with the EPL one. Only because I need to see him here. Have you heard anything on him as of late? The guy is very, very, very 
passionate and everything that happens. I mean, he goes to, uh, was it, uh, was it South Florida? Was that, was it, is that the team that he was, who, who was it down to? It's South Florida, right? UCF, us, and I think Oregon. Yeah. So whichever one, but like he would go, you know, cause he's from the Florida area. And so you get that, you get him uh, on a visit and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I mean, this is perfect. And then he comes to Norman and he's like, oh my God, this is where I want to be. So um, I think that he has some of the tools and that he is going to bring to the table and it helps, you know, to end the, um, the offensive line recruiting for this year with a guy like EPL and, and a guy like Grant Bricks. But if I had to choose between Bricks or EPL, I'm taking Bricks 10 out of 10 times. Um, now, can EPL go somewhere else and turn out to be a good offensive lineman? Sure, yeah, I, I think he can. Um, you know, I also want to see, you know, I think Akinkumi is probably a guy, you know, these are Bill Bedenboe type of guys. Now, that being said, we need the 25 class, you know, if it's Lamont, uh, Fasusi, Rogers. Um, I mean, I guess it's Lamont Rogers and Haywood and Fasusi. We need those guys right. at that point because we've got some development guys that can come in, but we're going to have guys, we're going to need to guy, have guys that have expectations on them to start early or not first year, but get playing time early like Hayden Green is doing. Right. You want some, you want some players that can come in and play and be, and that's the good thing about way beat Bo recruits. I like talking about this with him because if you recognize the type of players he's going after, he's going for those that can play uh, multiple positions or they can play every position on the line. And if you can get yeah. guys that aren't forced to specialize at one or the other, that means you've got players that you can just throw in the whim that you need. Like, I mean, we got seeing Caden Green at left guard and he's doing really good. Yeah. Really good. So, yeah. And and Blake, you're right. Powers is a lot is big for his age. He he looks big. He he's sizey, yeah. 6'1", 200 pounds. So him and Day McCullough are about the same size. If I'm correct, Day McCullough came in at like six one, six two, two hundred pounds. Yeah, he's he's so, he's pretty big too. Yeah, he's a pretty big kid. Like I didn't realize Day was that big until I look. It's like oh, I saw pictures of course him next to the sun. I'm like, it's a big boy. So our safety room is going to be very nice over the next few years. Yeah. Uh, this is a good question. Thunder, OU Sooner, do we have any Missouri commits flipping to Oklahoma? Now, we saw the Ryan Wingo one where he's gone to Texas. You know, Texas got themselves a good little play class going. Good for them. You know, now they got to produce on the field before I actually believe in them. I don't know if that means much for Waneri or anybody else. I don't think... I... I think the Waneri train still exists. I think the conversations still happen. I don't think it's departed on us yet. I think we can still ride it. I'm comfortable with saying that. That's about it. Yeah. I can't tell you if it's going to happen or if it ain't. I have zero confidence on either side because it's it's just a weird, it's a weird commitment. What I've been told is expected to be similar to the Peyton Bowen. He wants to be here. His family wants him there. He compromised for them. And in the end, he's going to be like, you know what? I really want to go where I want. And they let him. So, it's yeah, we'll see where they go. I tell you what. It was very comforting thinking that another five-star was going to be joining that recruiting class with him. 
but uh, you know, he looks around and he sees what's surrounding him right now in that recruiting class, and uh, that's you know that's that's not that's not the greatest thing in the world. I mean, it, it's 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 literally like if you fielded a basketball team and you had one athletic guy and then four Stephen Adams. Like you're just not going to be able to do much. Uh, maybe the, maybe the flying V from Mighty Ducks, but um, but if you ain't wrong. If, if it was dead, it had been dead a long time ago. Um, and I don't, I don't believe comments like "thank you to everybody who has recruited me." I'm sticking with this team. If you have to say it, you, then 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 there's there's some issues there. Um, and that's that's just a hundred percent. I think Winery is still going to look around, and he's still getting recruited. And remember, Caden Green is this boy, and who's having some good success right now. Caden Green. Caden Green. And even Kamori Moore as well. And Kamori, our boy Kamori, is balling out this year. And he's getting a lot of notoriety. And so expect to him for him to uh, take a little bit of an up too. Yeah, I expect him to jump up a little bit in the rankings and stuff too, you know, at the same time while he's still trying to recruit his boy to come to school with him. So I I sense that we'll see. There'll be conversation. There may even be potentially some smoke there, but I'm just going to be, I'm being honest with y'all. I ain't, I ain't buying nothing until it actually happens just because I've, I've been burnt enough in my life to understand that, you know, dealing with these 17 year olds, I ain't about to uh, pretend like I know what the heck they, they thinking. Just keeping yeah. it real. But that's a good question on those. Uh, Lee, you're hundred percent right. You would not want to run in front of Eddie when he's running track. When I saw him run that hundred, he's booking it. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. There's something here. There's something there with him. There's something there. So, yeah. Something to keep our eyes on when it comes to him. But he's one of those versatile players that can play anywhere on the line. And that's something, like I said, beating Bo likes because those are guys that are easier to mold. And Apache, you're right. I think that UGA has a really good chance with Winery. I think that that's the one that, if anything, is really pushing hard for him is them. You know, they've had, you know, success in the past with Lyman. And so they're selling that, but I don't know if they're selling nil like us and missouri is i mean it's a lot for them to try to get out of him and honestly it just depends on what winner he wants if he wants to be going a team that's really on the up and up or if he wants to stay i mean if we play georgia in the playoffs and we beat him yeah i mean i i I don't i don't you know again i've never seen pictures of him with georgia gloves or anything like that I don't think that the Georgia situation ever was legitimate. That again, Peyton Bowen, dad wanted him at. I mean, um, when Nary's dad wanted him to go to Georgia, mom wanted him at Missouri. So, what were the two finalists? Georgia and Missouri. I don't think that those were the two teams on his list in particular order. So, yep. but again, let's uh, let's get off of that because we've already spent enough time on the WN network. I'll say this is if people say like, Hey, this is not going away. I'm not going to listen to it. But if somebody goes, Oh my God, I heard something is pending for Williams. Then I'll listen. Right. 
Yeah. Only thing I've seen is recently in an article, I think maybe Josh had mentioned from Scoops that um, he's going to visit Georgia during the the Georgia-Missouri game. We'll see how that goes from there. But Stephen asked, this is a good question. You know, this, this is a good point. The A&M smoke is getting very thick. We're hearing a lot about Texas A&M players not being happy, especially on the defensive line. And somebody posted in one of the boards about that, and there was a comment there. I'm not even going to mention – we're going to talk about what happened on the board. But we're going to talk about the fact that there is a lot of unhappiness at A&M. And the question is, what's going to happen there in general? Are, is Jimbo Fisher going to finally get fired? I mean, as of right now, with the wars going on in the Middle East – AM boosters are making a lot of money. Oil goes up when that happens. When there's uncertainty in the Middle East, oil prices go up. And these oil guys, which are AM guys, are making money. So if they're making money now and they're pocketing some of that cash, they may come up with the 200 million I was talking about. They may come up with his buyout and then the new coach's money. They may do it. I'm not ruling it out. So keep your eyes out for AM stuff. I'll post a video talking about that probably in the next two weeks whenever I actually get something concrete. But I don't think it's something to really talk about too much. Mike, great question. And Michael, I'm going to get to your $5 question. Thank you so much. All right, Coop J, score prediction for Saturday. Coop, let's talk about this, this Kansas game. First off, what's your score prediction? What do you think it's going to be? Uh, 38-21. Ooh, I think it's going to be close. I like that. That's 17 okay. points. I mean, <laughs> that's covering the spread. The spread is 10. 10. Yeah, spread's 10. Yeah. That's covering the spread, which it's still at 10. It hasn't moved. Let me go see, look at Kansas. So that means that we will be a 16-point favorite at home. Wow. All right. They lost to Texas 40-14. to 14. I think it's going to be 45-14. to 14. I think we try to outdo what Texas did. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's how I feel about this game is, you know, I mentioned it, that they're going to put a lot of pressure on their defensive backs and they're going to load the box. Then guess what we're going to need to see? You're going to need to win some matchups. You're going to need to, um, you know, pick one, two, three zone blocking schemes and run that. Let's not see any cutesy plays. Let's not see anything else. Let's run bread and butter. Toby Walker, Sawchuck. Let's, you know, I love Farouk in the backfield, but I, I don't, I don't want to see that again. Um, I want I more of that. I want, I want more. I don't, I don't. That's not going to help our running game. It's not because uh, we need the running backs to get some consistency. And every time that he's carrying the ball, a running back is not getting better. Well, I say that because you've, y'all have heard my comp before. I've said this at nauseum, but I'm going to remind you, my comp for Jalil Farouk has always been Peter Warwick. Just not as yeah. fast. He's shifty. He got great cutting ability. When you get him in space, he's impossible to get down. You put him in the backfield like that, run like Debo Samuel. I don't see that as a bad thing. But I get what you're saying, Coop. We do need to get the running backs going. And I think this is the game we do it. The weather's going to be ugly. 70% of chance of rain. It's going to be 40 degrees outside. So it's quote unquote football weather. And so the question is going to be. Are we going to go out there and just run it down their throat? And I think we can, because that's exactly what Texas did. And I'm hey, going to be listen, honest, I think we could do that better than Texas. If 
if I'm Chavis, Bates, Venables, um, any geriatrics that are also in there, um, you know, looking at look at the coaching, um, you want to show them the, um, you know, what is it, uh, uh, longest yard where uh, they had all the mud puddles and they started just doing some crazy stuff, or you show them any type of uh, football where there's a lot of rain and people are just, uh, you know, just cr- crushing people. And you show that to Danny Stutzman, um, you show that to Kanek, and you show that uh, to Pearson, and you get those guys jacked up. If I'm Woody Washington, this is the best game I've ever played in my life. Um, be prepared for them to throw some balls deep, and, and because people are going to throw it at him, and they're going to make him make the right decisions. Yep. Um, they're they're going to run a lot of that sprint and draw that we saw last week, too. I think that their offensive line is not as good. Um, so... With this game, I what I want to see is do the little things good. Um, if uh, if if our pass blocking is holding up and they have a loaded box, throw on some early downs. Let's see it because they're gonna they're gonna load that box. I think that the uh, that that um, that try that sprint draw with uh, Dylan Gabriel and Sawchuk, and then turn it into a pass, a little dump pass. Because I'm pretty sure that if you're running. If you're running that and they're running seven in the box, eight in the box, and they start crashing down and um, Sawchuck gets out, it's Sawchuck and then two blocked defensive backs playing man coverage, you yeah, know, true. to stop him from the green zone. Michael asked this question. Thank you for the five bucks, Michael. We really appreciate it with 499. I always round everything up to five bucks. If Texas falls, who are we playing in the Big 12 championship? First off, we've got to get there first. But at the same time, secondly. I do believe that if we make it to the Big 12 championship and Texas doesn't, who do we play? Iowa State. I'm here with Hank. I'm with Hank. Iowa State. Look, man, I talked about this in the space last night, and I'm going to be honest with you all. If Lincoln Riley leaves USC, they better call Matt Campbell. The job that he did... This year, get Matt Campbell, get John Heacock to come as a package deal as your head coach, defensive coordinator, and USC will be borderline back. They'll be ready for the Big Ten because the thing is that I will say their biggest problem is recruiting, getting the right players to win. After all the scandal, he's four and three and three and one in conference. Mm -hmm. Who, who Who could ask for more? Dude, they're, they're, they're literally playing like they can make it to the Big 12 championship game. Now, I think at Kansas State's probably the other team, but they they look up and down. They they look yeah. up and down. And so I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm going to call that Iowa State if there's one team I'd pick. Steven, I'm going to fight you. Just know that. <laughs> I know. One of these weeks I'm going to be right. Leave me alone. You know, I don't need you to be calling out, pulling out receipts. You put them receipts away, please. And thank you. Uh <laughs> David asked this one. This was a good question. Is Jalen Daniels playing? So Kansas said he's not. They said Bean is going to be the starter. But rumor has it is is that is the anticipation is that Jalen Daniels may still show up in the game. I don't think it makes sense to risk him in this game if he's still not 100%. Or at least 90. Because he's got back problems. and He's had back problems for two years. You might not want to do that to him. Dude can't stay healthy. You probably won't leave him out. And if 
if the rumors are true, he may sit out the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And if he sits out the rest of the season, he's going to transfer. That's all I got for you. Blood and guns. Ask a question. What's the chance of you of Texas being upset? You know, that's a really, really, really good question. Right? I've looked at their schedule the other day. This week, they're rocking against BYU at the crib. Now, this is something to also keep in mind. BYU went out to uh, Fayetteville, put a hurting on Arkansas. Lost two games this season. Kansas on the road, TCU on the road. And they got they got shellacked by TCU. Texas should be able to beat them at the crib. That should not be a problem for them. They got Kansas State the next week, and then they travel up the street around the corner to TCU, and then they travel to Ames, Iowa. That's the game. Depending on how long, because I think the Queen Era's injury is three to four weeks right now. If they don't get him back for that game, Hecox's going to put them in a world of hurt. Yeah. World of hurt. They're going to have so and many I'm, confusing schemes, it's going to be bananas. And I don't put it past K-State either because K-State has had trouble with covering the pass. They've been pretty good at everything else. But if a team has had issues – um, you know, throwing the ball, they're not very good against the pass. I mean, Kansas State's uh, been able to be decent against them. So, I mean, still, it's still Malik Murphy. I think that we're going to see because obviously, if Malik is is the one that's ahead of them, and there's not a lot of chatter about that backup quarterback, we said that he looked like Megatron, you know, in the in the early, but. He's a giant. I don't know. Just from what I'm, from what I feel like from a lot of Texas fans, nobody's too excited about this. Everybody is just holding their breath. What's the crazy thing is that he showed out in spring game, and so people were like, "Hey, let's consider this big guy." I mean, he's big, six five, two thirty eight. He 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 he. He looks yeah. like the way Joe Milton looks like at Tennessee. Joe Milton, that's right. That's what he I was ain't about got Joe Milton's Joe rocket Milton. arm, but he's got the size and build. He's a massive human being. He's a yeah. massive human being. So I'm curious to see if he is ready as well. Just like y'all, I'm wondering is Malik ready to take over quarterback? He's still a redshirt freshman. So, you know, we're not sure, but we'll find out. This week, because he's going to be the starter. They're not going to put Cole in. They're not going to put Arch in. They're not going to put another quarterback in. They're not going to be that stupid. They're going to play no. Malik and see if he see if he can do it. This is the best game to do it. It's BYU. Even though BYU is going to be a little sophisticated, it's the best one to do it. And Apache, you're right. K-State's probably the other, is, is one of them. So, honestly, now I think about TCU. Even as bad as they look, TCU, honestly, be putting together some um, sophisticated defenses by Sonny Dykes. They could they be get- one, too. They're very, very polarizing, and it's at it's at TCU, and I know that it's, I mean, what is it, a four-hour drive? It's not like it's anything crazy, but they play different Morgan. at home. That, that place gets crazy. That play that t- And then I think that the Texas Tech game is on Black Friday, 
So you start jacking around and Texas Tech always comes out and plays. I don't care what their season is, that's going to be their Super Bowl. So Texas can finally say it and it's actually true for a team this year because, I mean, that is going to be the only thing that Texas Tech can do is absolutely just run it. But, I mean, it's – and don't forget – BYU is going to come play big boy football. If Malik hangs out a couple wide receivers, those guys are going to bail on him very fast. And, you know, you're playing 37-year-old men out there by playing BYU. And I think that the – actually, I think it's Kansas State. Kansas State – yeah, Kansas State, based upon the ESPN analytics, is the lowest win percentage of their games left over. That's 70% there. Next up is the TCU game, which is 78%. Iowa State's 43%. Texas Tech is 88, 83 to 88%, and then 94% for BYU. So if there's a game that is probably going to be the Kansas State game at the crib without the starting quarterback, and then Iowa State on the road is going to be tough. And then, of course, just like you said, Coop, TC, uh, T- Texas Tech is going to be definitely um, – yeah, they're going to be making that their Super Bowl. And it is a night game, 6.30 at night in, at Black DKR. Friday. It's not Black in Lubbock. It's DKR. It's Black Friday, DKR. We play the day game again, which I'm actually going to get tickets for that game. I think I'm going to go to that one. Um, but, yeah, that's we the, yeah it's that's the Black TCU Friday morning. Week, right? yeah, yeah, we play TCU. TCU that weekend. They play Tech. At night, we play the day game, which is annoying. And then Texas also plays BYU at 2.30 this weekend while we got the 11 o'clock kickoff because of Kansas. Just disrespectful. What up, Jason? Jason just hopped in. Um, yeah, I mean, I so I don't want to say too much, but obviously we're paying attention what's happening for um, network and time next week. There's a chance that we might get OSU Bedlam at 2 30. Um, so everybody just kind of hold your breath. That now, would be if, disgusting. If they if it comes out that it's eleven, I have a feeling that um it's gonna be on Fox. Um, but just for the slotting uh, all the games, um, and again, it's great for me because I can make a good amount of money in, in commission for selling that game. Um, but we're, we're paying attention to it. We'll, we'll probably know that's uh, around NFL kickoff time on Sunday. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I sense it being a night game just because it's the last bedlam. This is the perfect storyline. It's perfect for the net, for the network. Yeah. It's perfect. You think it's perfect for the networks, but it's also going to be, you're also going oh, to have second. like the that's the, you know the week. Let me go check the schedule and see who else is playing that week, so we can argue that. All right, college schedule I'm just saying that, like, the, the week networks, of it. You need OSU to win this week. That that is imperative for that game not to be tossed in an eleven o'clock game. OSU needs to go out and win. OU needs to go out and win. Oh, if either of those teams lose. It it kind of solidifies the early morning. We've got I got we got two games that I think could be con- of concern. Three games that could be of concern. Well, no, two. That other one's Pac- definitely a there's, late there's night a Pac-12 game. Pac twelve game. That one's gonna be late, late. That's gonna be Pac twelve, potentially close to after dark. USC and Washington. Actually, USC Washington's already said it looks like for six thirty. So they're a night game. USC versus Washington at USC. I'm, 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 Unless they get flexed because Caleb Williams 
if Caleb Williams sprains his ankle or something, you know, this, you know, this week, pulls his hand, might get flexed. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's a flex. That's definitely going to be a flex. Um, let's see. A and M and Ole Miss is a day game at eleven. We're not set, but you've got Georgia, Missouri. Big game. Oh, Penn, Florida Penn State, State Pitt. I don't think that's going to be big enough. LSU, Alabama is the one I was thinking about. That's probably the 2.30 game. Notre Dame, Clemson. They like that. It, that's, then Clemson, uh, Notre Dame is probably a night game. Florida State, Pitt, Purdue, Michigan. No, there was another one I saw. I think I said it. Um, if A&M wins again and Ole Miss wins, that might be bigger. Um, but uh, USC, Washington, you said that, right? Yeah, so yeah, they're they're, I mean, they're already set for the like you said they're set for the late game, and it'll be depending on when they play. So, do you think yeah. that uh, the networks are going to move stuff around for James Madison, Georgia State, seven and zero versus six and one, brother? James Madison's number twenty five in the country. I mean, you're not wrong. Let's look at this. How would you like to oh. uh, look at the rankings and see James Madison ranked and you are a fan of Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Clemson? That's just rough. Yeah, I mean, Missouri. You, you, so Missouri-Georgia game is going to be a big one. I wonder when that's going to show. K-State, Texas at DKR. Yeah. If K-State wins, they may end up being ranked at the bottom. So there's a chance for that. Yeah, Utah, Arizona State might be something of intrigue, but I think I expect that to be a Pac-12 after dark game. There's really yeah, nobody got, else in here. They got Oregon State, Colorado's at the Pac-12 after dark. It starts at 9 p.m. our time. Yep, they're Pac-12 after dark already. Miami which is 7 o'clock their time. No, I'm thinking it's picking one to be even later than that. Uh, I mean, here's your de- night game so far. Washington, USC, Mississippi State. Can- see, these are already on uh, alternate networks, though. So as you can see, yep, that's the ESPN after dark game is that. The rest of these on alternate networks. SEC Network, ESPNU, ACC Network, ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus at 6 o'clock there. ESPN Plus. So a lot of those are already on the off the network onto the, you know, standard stations so i guess that's going to be the question who who ends up being who ends up who ends up getting it out of georgia missouri us kansas state texas oregon cal alabama lsu etc that's what we got to figure out who's going to actually win that battle yeah i think that that georgia missouri game is probably going to be a cbs game and so Isn't it'll it? probably be a two, it'll probably be a two thirty kickoff, and that really doesn't have anything to do with us around here. Um, but yeah, just kind of blows my mind. Um, by the way, Thunder win one twenty four one oh four. That's what I'm talking about. I ain't. Uh, I probably need to start covering my thunder again, like I used to back in the day. Oh, I miss. Hey, I miss we can, we can talk thunder. thunder. We we can talk thunder too, brother. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> this year. Oh my god, I'm so excited, man. SGA is probably going to be uh, in the MVP conversations again. He had 31, 12 for 18 from the field. 31. at seven rebounds, and, and SGA had 10, um, 10 assists That's as well. Good. God. 
Chet Chet looks like that he was probably I want to check out his plus minus was plus fourteen. That's great oh. as from a rookie perspective. He only shot seven times, but he's four of seven, two two for three from three point eleven points. That's what you need from him right there. Yep, as a starter, twenty five minutes too. Goodness gracious, Isaiah Joe, Isaiah Joe, three for six from three point fourteen points. Uh, Wallace, woo, Wallace, nineteen minutes, thirteen points, five for five from the field, three for three. Case and Wallace, be excited, be excited, everybody. If you like basketball, yeah. it's going to be um, another great. Set of games. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Let y'all enjoy the rest of y'all yeah. night. <laughs> thank y'all for pulling up. I just realized it's like an hour and 15 minutes. And we just rambling, but we thank y'all for pulling up as usual. Okay. Great job jumping in the comments. Good conversation. Please wipe your feet before you leave the studio. Hit that like button. You to channel subscribe. We got 116 in here, only 73 likes. So I expect more likes out of all of you. Uh, once again, thanks a bunch. And um, yeah, Coop and I will talk to you guys uh, Sunday. Sunday. Have a good one. Peace.